should probably apologize ahead of time for this one. A, this is a late, late night post. I had to watch the Miami Heat-Boston Celtics game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, and it just got over. Do some editing. This might not be out till 11 or midnight. I apologize. Had to work. Had to watch an amazing game. This is kind of a sports podcast. Got to watch the sports to be able to talk about the sports, right? That's how I'm looking at it anyway. Also want to apologize. Actually, this ain't really an apology. Just a forewarning. This is going to be a long show. We have a lot of awesomeness to talk about. Baseball. White Sox in the playoffs for the first time since 2008. Huge deal. Obviously, NBA playoffs. Miami Heat take a 2-0 lead over Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's insane. Not really going to break down the Denver Nuggets, Los Angeles Clippers Game 7 of a Western Conference Semi. But of course, want to talk about the Western Conference Finals beginning Friday, tomorrow, between the Los Angeles Clippers and Denver Nuggets. Today is Thursday, September 17th. This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Lachance. I am pumped up. I'm ready to speak some sports and to let you hear an amazing conversation with an amazing guy, amazing NBA mind, and an NBA voice. I am talking about Jim Foley. He went to St. B for one year in the 50s before transferring to a school in Missouri, went to Marquette University, graduated in 1961, went to the Navy, then he goes and works for Marquette, then gets a job with the Milwaukee Bucks in their infancy as an NBA franchise. Then he goes to the Houston Rockets in 1972 and works with them until 2008 when he retires. Awesome life, awesome stories. He shares it all with us today on this podcast. Even talks about this year's Houston Rockets, James Harden, and what he hopes happens there in the future. Still a huge basketball fan, still goes to a ton of Rockets games, just loves basketball. Let's break some stuff down before we get to Jim. First, don't know where you're listening to this podcast, but you can check out every single episode of Edge of Your Seat podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Music. This is episode 109. So there is 108 episodes out there now, and this would be the 109th. Also, catch us on social media, Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P. Any questions, suggestions of guests, conversations, have a problem with something we say, would like us to talk about something, want to send in a box score or a player accomplishment from a high school team, send it to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Special shout out to Brian Cavelli, who created the intro and outro beat for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Much love to him forever, Salukis. Let's get right into baseball. White Sox. 4-3 win today over the Minnesota Twins. I was at work trying to follow the game as much as possible. Not supposed to be on my phone. But you know, moments like this, maybe there's a little forgiveness. Like, oh, it's okay. Nah, not really, but I try to make it low-key so nobody sees me. So didn't really get to follow it as much as I would like to. But to see them get the win and clinch a playoff berth. First time since 2008. 
12 years without making it to the playoffs. And there was a lot of very dark years in there for the White Sox. So it is amazing to see Chicago and not the Cubs in the playoffs. Of course it's cool to see the Chicago Cubs in the playoffs. But as of late, Cubs are perennial contenders for a World Series in the playoffs. So to see the White Sox in there, that's awesome. In today's game, the 4-3 victory over the Twins, Eloy Jimenez hits the tie-breaking double in the seventh, scores Yomar Sanchez. Eloy's just clutch. Went 1-4 on the day, so he only got the one hit. But the one hit was one of the biggest hits of the day. Gets the game-winning run, breaks the tie in the seventh. Had two more innings, but hey, like you know what? We're going to hold him off defensively. Our offense did good enough today. Speaking of offense doing good enough, had nine hits. Six of them came from three guys, as Yasmini, Grandel, Jose, Abreu, and Jared Dyson had two hits apiece. The only two teams to clinch a playoff berth as of today, as of right now, the Chicago White Sox and the Los Angeles Dodgers. So White Sox putting themselves in good company. Hopefully we can see a long playoff journey not get knocked out in the first round. That would be amazing. Make uh, Chicago sports baseball fans very, very happy. The playoffs start September 29th. So we have 12 days before they start. About a week and a half left. The Cubs are 30 and 20 right now. Have not clinched a spot. But they do have a five and a half game lead in the National League Central Division. So hopefully they don't blow that. They can get in there. And that would be super amazing having two Chicago teams in the playoffs. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. They actually play the Minnesota Twins. I guess Minnesota's just going on a Chicago tour. And hopefully the Cubs can also defeat them. They play at 7-15 tomorrow, Friday, September 18th. It's just good to have two relevant Chicago baseball teams. Noah talked about that a lot on this podcast, but it's a beautiful thing. Whether you're a Sox fan, whether you're a Cubs fan, whether you like them both, like a weirdo like me, I say weirdo because of like, why do you like wear a Sox hat and then the next day you wear a Cubs polo? Like, why not? Been a Chicago sports fan my entire life. A lot of us have. Why pick one team when we have two? It's like, why only eat one piece of pizza when there's four on your plate? I mean, you got the opportunity. Why not? Why eat half a candy bar? or half a salad when you can eat the whole salad or the whole candy bar. Like I throw a salad in there, so I'm not just saying not good for you food. Gotta throw in a salad, right? Maybe not, I like salads. So it depends on you and what you eat. But anyway, what I'm saying is, you have the opportunity to have the best of both worlds, why not? Why limit yourself to one? Like, oh, I like this one more, so I'm not gonna cheer for them when they're from the same city. To me, they're in different divisions, so what does it matter if you're a rival? Sure, you're sharing a city. Why not? Chicago is big enough for both of them. It's worked for a long, 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 long time having two MLB baseball teams in the same city. So why not just embrace it, enjoy it, and enjoy baseball every day, all day with two teams? That's the way I look at it, and that's the way I go about my business when it comes to baseball in Chicago. When it comes to getting in fit, not eating those candy bars, staying away from those four pieces of pizza, and maybe only eating one because you're thinking about your health instead of greed over pieces of pizza. You also got to think about exercise and what to do to maybe strengthen up or tighten up or get better in cardio. 
Well, since 2015, LP CrossFit has been offering something unique to the Illinois Valley, a customized way to get in shape while having fun. Whether you're new to exercise or an experienced athlete, LP CrossFit is the right place for you. LP CrossFit is a diverse community with a culture focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. LP CrossFit will help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life. LP CrossFit offers a weekly schedule of classes for every fitness fan. Whether you want to dial up the intensity or take a more relaxed approach, LP CrossFit's trained coaches tailor each and every workout for every athlete in every class. CrossFit classes are programmed with a mixture of bodyweight, gymnastic, barbell, and other movements to build strength and endurance. All small group classes are coach-led, and all movements are infinitely scalable so they can work with any fitness level, injury, or mobility restriction. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook, online at lpcrossfit.com, or in person in the Peru Mall across from Secret Nails. You'll never have so much fun while getting so fit. Lots of local high school sports to break down. First, before we get to box scores and personal accomplishments for current high school student athletes right now, want to give a rest in peace shout out to Joe Rucklick, passes away at 81 years old, basketball player from Princeton, Illinois, then goes to Northwestern and was in the NBA his claim to fame was he gave Wilt Chamberlain the last assist for his 100th point in his 100-point game. I had the awesome opportunity to speak to Mr. Rucklick a few years ago for a Where Are They Now story. It was actually the very, very first one that I did, and I did those for about six summers for the local newspaper. And he was the very first one I did. He was a great guy. We talked for almost two hours. I had no problem going through two hours of audio recording for this story because he was just such a great guy to talk to, so much life lived, his enjoyment for life, his love for Wilt Chamberlain. They were great friends. He talked to him pretty much until Wilt passed. They stayed in touch the entire time. Joe was just a great guy to talk to about basketball and again, life in general. He was a journalist wrote for Northwestern, and would occasionally put stories into other newspapers. So he's a writer, basketball player, great conversationalist. So rest in peace to Joe, 81 years old, knew he was having some health problems as of late, and it's sad, another great guy is, is gone, but I know he's in a better place. And he's back with Will, looking down on the basketball world, hopefully with smiles and warm embraces. If you're on Twitter and follow IHSA or anybody talking about the state of high school sports in Illinois, there is a giant uproar right now about Illinois not playing normal fall sports in the fall. There is no volleyball. There is no football. It got pushed to the spring. Well, all the neighboring states, Iowa, Indiana, Missouri, they're all playing these like nothing happened. Not saying they're not taking precautions and they're being cautious with masks and social distancing. They're not wearing masks on the football field. But they're still 
playing these sports that Illinois has been ruled not to. So people are attacking Illinois, the state in general, IHSA, Governor J.B. Pritzker, attacking them because high school athletes are not being able to play the sports that they want to play when they're supposed to play them. I'm kind of mixed about this. Yes, we all want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And we are used to these schedules. We are used to these times. Hey, you do this from this month to this month. Then you do this from this month to this month. Because we have been doing that way since we can remember. At the same time, we have to adapt. There was, there is a virus that is still causing people to get sick, still taking lives. It is still happening. Numbers peak and valley and go up and go down every day. Still trying to find a way to stabilize this or to make it disappear. That has not happened yet. Cool for the other states that are allowing these sports to go on. Would it be awesome if volleyball and football was being played right now in Illinois? Yeah. But is it okay to be like, you know what, just to be precautious, they moved them to spring, they'll still play this year. They're not canceled. They're postponed. They're moved. They're just moved to a different day. That happens with stuff all around the world every day. The stimulus talk with the government was supposed to happen by the end of August. The middle of August. And then they decided like, hey, we're going to be out of session. We're taking a break until the beginning of September. I get both sides. I really, really, really do. I want to see it right now just as bad as anybody else. When I get off of work tomorrow, it's a Friday. I could chill out for a couple hours, maybe work on some podcast stuff, maybe play a couple games of NBA 2K21, which is extremely difficult. It is very hard to shoot. So I need the extra time to learn how to shoot in this video game. But let's not digress. After that few hours of break or chilling out or doing whatever you got to do, you go see a football game. I would do that. I would definitely try to go see a football game from different teams, talk to people, all that other good stuff. But it is also okay to wait to prevent the spread of this virus even more, keeping it around, risking other people's health, not even just death. I mean, nobody wants to be sick, right? Some people are not getting as sick as others. And that's okay, but we don't want anybody to be sick. We're all human beings and should be looking out for each other. So it's okay to take a pause and to move things and adapt. We do not have to be on the same schedule all the time just to make things work. Sometimes we got to switch things up so they can still continue and still happen. Maybe not as planned. Maybe not when we want them to, but they can still happen. So I'm not bashing anybody. Hopefully you're not either. I do understand if you are. Like I said, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But we have to realize health should be first. So let's break down some local sports that have been going on. Let's start with some stuff from yesterday, Wednesday. The LP Ottawa Streeter Girls Swimming Co-op defeated Morris 69-45. Nicole Posavasic won the 200 freestyle and the 100 backstroke. While Peyton Heggie, who has been tearing it up, won four events once again. The 400 freestyle, the 50 meter freestyle, the 100 meter butterfly, and the 100 breaststroke. Ava Adams also got a victory for the Lady Cavaliers in the 1 meter diving. Wednesday also saw LaSalle Peru on the golf course as the boys fell to Ottawa. Ottawa won 167-173. Jonathan Cooper for Ottawa. Shot at 39, the medalist score. 
Jake Kaufman and Nick Angus had 43s. Caden Erickson snuck his way in between Jonathan and Drake and Nick with a 42. LP scores. Carter Fenza shot a 42. Coleman Rundle, Drake Hawthorne both had 43s. And Connor Normchik had a 45. Mendota got a W in Oregon as they defeated the Hawks 173-202. Ethan Hanneman was the medalist for the Trojans with a 38. Jack Beats and Clay Buffington had 44s. And Logan Bradner shot a 47. Sticking with boys golf for Wednesday. Burrow Valley split in a triangular. Rockridge had 116. Burrow Valley took second with 216. And Orion scored a 226. Today saw all kinds of sports action as well. The Amboy Boys cross country team fell for the first time. On Tuesday, they picked up their fourth win of the season. They went 4 0 with a win in Rock Falls, defeating Rock Falls and Rockford Lutheran. Amboy had a 38, Rock Falls had a 42, Rockford Lutheran 44. Brock Loftus has been winning pretty much every race. Ran a 18.23. Ian Eller, who is always right with Brock, had an 18.39. And Andrew Jones was sixth with a 20.16. They did this with only five runners, and they were missing four of their top seven due to injuries and quarantines because of COVID. Thursday, Amboy took the loss, still only having those five runners, still missing four of the top seven as they fell. Sterling won with a 23. Amboy had 38, and Genoa Kingston an 85. Loftus was second with a 1658, and Ian Eller was third with a 1709. The girls picked up the pace on Thursday as well. In Tuesday's race in Rock Falls, they were third as Rock Falls had an 18, Rockford Lutheran 56, and Amboy a 63. Warren Althouse came in fourth with a 2304. Thursday, Althouse takes third with the 21-32, and Ellie Jones was seventh with the 22-19. The Lady Clippers finish with 51 points to beat Genoa Kingston's 58, but fall behind Sterling's 18. So shortening up those times, better finishes. It is awesome what Amboy is able to do on the boys' and girls' cross-country levels. Tonight was senior night for Princeton Golf, and they got the W with a 161-170 victory over Sherrard. Adam Vigars was the medalist with a 38. Jamie Reinhardt right behind him with a 39. Nolan Scott a 41. And Trent Kloping with a 43. Also on golf courses today, a Thursday, Hall Jr. Nick Arati shot a 41 as the Red Devils fell to Riverdale 158-194. On the tennis courts, the Sycamore girls team defeated Sterling 5-0. Looking on this paper that I jot stuff down, missed a couple things. I can't do that. I can't be missing nothing. On Wednesday, two women's golf meets. My little small print as I try to fit everything on this little notepad. Ottawa defeated LP on Wednesday, 215-246 on the golf course. Zoe Harris with the medalist score for Ottawa with a 44. Princeton split a triangular as Sterling won with a 199. Princeton had a 215. And Erie Prophetstown finished with a 246. Princeton was led by Olivia Eikens, 49. While the medalist score was by Sterling's Maddie Pink, who shot a 41. There we go. Got them all in there. 
gotta share the spotlight with absolutely everybody. Do not want to leave anybody out. I know I mentioned it in the intro with the email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any box scores, personal highlights, personal accomplishments, coaching accomplishments, any fundraisers, anything that you would like Edge of URC Podcast to help your high school get out or junior high, feel free to send that email to help get the word out about your programs. Before we get back into NBA, talk some Miami Heat, Boston Celtics, and kind of sort of preview the Western Conference Finals between the Los Angeles Lakers and Denver Nuggets, let's have a word with one of our sponsors. With the COVID-19 quarantine and the different way of life that we have experienced in the last six or seven months, probably noticed a few things around the home that could be repaired or changed or updated. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olsa Construction is here to help. The family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olsa Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, remodels, garage additions, and room additions. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have been in construction for over 10 years and are willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. Olson Construction can also be contacted on Facebook at the Olson Construction LLC page or via email olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Like I said, had to hold off on starting Edge of Your Seat Podcast episode 109 because of the Heat and the Celtics. Heat take a 2-0 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals with a 106-101 victory. It was back and forth. There was, I think, four minutes, five minutes left in the fourth. Boston Celtics had like a three or four point lead after they were trailing the Heat. Just kept going back and forth. Both teams are dynamic, offensively and defensively. Marcus Smart for the Boston Celtics, great defensive guard. Seems like he is always where he needs to be to put his hand up or to put his body in the way to alter shots. Bam Abadayo for Miami Heat is a monster, monster, monster post player. Is everywhere. And he's not, yes, he's big. He's definitely tall. He's definitely a center. But he's like a finesse center. Like he's a finesse big man, if that makes sense. Like he can run the floor easily. Score 21 points tonight. He floats when he's blocking shots. That monster block over Jason Tatum in game one to pretty much seal it. He just kind of came out of nowhere and bam, it's over. Like the pun? Bam. Gotta love a name like Bam. If I had a name Bam, I would say Bam all the time with everything. Take a drink of water, set it down, bam. I would do that every single day, all day. But he just makes it look really easy. Gifted athlete who is absolutely everywhere. Like I said, 21 points, 15 points in the third quarter for Bam. To finish with 21, 10 rebounds, and 4 assists. Jimmy Butler only had 14 points in the game, but did everything else that he needed to do. He is a superstar who doesn't need to be a superstar. I am not taking that from ESPN because if you watch the after game show on ESPN, they said that a few times. But you can see it watching the game. He doesn't have to score 40 points for the Miami Heat to win the game. 
He's got Bam. He's got Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson shooting the ball. He has got Goran Dragic, who can do everything as a guard. He doesn't have to physically take over the game by just scoring. He does it physically by stealing and assist and being everywhere and being everything that the team needs when he needs to be. He doesn't have to score 40, 50 points. Can he? Oh, yeah. He can drop 50, 60 if he wanted to. But he is a monster team player. Yes, he has had all kinds of issues about, oh, is he good for a locker room? It seems like he stirred some stuff up in Chicago and in Philadelphia. But it wasn't his team, or the team wasn't on his level. Now he's got some people that can legitimately play the game. I wish he had this in Chicago. I didn't want to see him go. But now he's got some legit players to play with him. It's a team game. It's almost like watching the Detroit Pistons in the early 2000s. That team that won the 2004 NBA championship over a star-studded Laker team with Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Carl Malone, Gary Payton. They played team ball. They didn't need a player to score 40 points to win a game. The Miami Heat are doing exactly that. So you got Butler with 14, Bam with 21, Duncan Robinson had 18, made six threes. Six threes. Tyler Hero, 11 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Goran Dragic, 25 points, 5 assists. They pass the ball. They can all score. They're all doing something to help the team win. That is what's awesome about watching the Heat. Same thing with the Celtics. They had three guys, their main three guys, combined for 65 points. Kemba Walker, 23 points, including four three-pointers. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, each had 21 points apiece. It is fun watching these teams play because they pass the ball and can rely on each other. That is fun basketball. I wish every game of the NBA was, is like this, but it's not. These two teams are enjoyable to watch. I know there's a lot of people that will be like, I haven't watched NBA basketball since Jordan left or you know, since Kobe was out of his prime. Things like that. That's because we're not getting to see this product, the product that the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics can put on the court each and every game. If they all play like this, NBA is exciting and very, very, very fun to watch. Speaking of fun to watch, game one of the Western Conference Finals is tomorrow, Friday. The Nuggets are 46 and 27, Lakers 52 and 19. This is gonna be fun. I don't know what else to say, it's going to be fun. LeBron James, Anthony Davis are pitted to win the NBA Finals. Let's face it. They are the odds-on favorite to win the NBA championship. Nikolai Jokic, Jamal Murray may have something to say about that. They have been playing very, very, very awesome basketball. Thought they were going to get beat by the Clippers. Beat the Clippers by 15 points in Game 7 of a Western Conference semifinal. They're not going away. They make big moments happen. Jokic, the Joker, is a lot of fun to watch. I kind of want to apologize to him and to his fans because I was sort of bashing him on Twitter. Before the season had started, the original season, not the restart after COVID-19, but the original start of the season, last October, there was an odds for who was going to be the MVP. And he was like third or fourth. Maybe fourth or fifth. I think it was LeBron. Anthony Davis was up there. 
Kawhi Leonard, and Giannis. Those four, and I think he was fifth. Dame Lillard was on the list. Few others. It has been almost a year since I've seen it. I'm surprised I remembered those guys that were on it. Well, I mean, they're the best players in the league, so maybe not. But he was fitted to be a top qualifier for MVP of the league. Top candidate. I was like, no way. No way. I didn't, I didn't see it. Yes, he's a good player. He's had those moments. But there's a difference between being really, really good and the MVP of the league. Like right now, Jimmy Butler is doing everything for his team. He is amazingly awesome. Is he the MVP of the league? No. No. Chris Paul willed the Oklahoma City Thunder, was playing great basketball, especially for his age. Is he the MVP of the league? No. And there's other guys that we could take a look at. I love Damian Lillard. Not the MVP of the league. MVP of bubble ball, because he was fantastic. But not the MVP of the league. Just didn't see it. Just kind of wrote him off. I'm like, no, there's so many other people I put on this list above him. He is gifted. Nikolai Jokic can play the game of basketball. He does everything. He scores, he rebounds, he assists. He is there when you need him to be there, whether it's physical presence, being in the right spot, or being that clutch guy to make the play or to finish a play. He is that guy. I would put him in the top five of people that could be MVP of the league. I think he started off a little slow. I think I was still saying it within like a month or two in. I'm like, no, no way, no way. But then watching him and keep watching him. And since the NBA has come back and playoffs, he is really good. Just had this conversation. He's better than really good. He is an MVP candidate. He is. He is with the LeBron Jameses. He is with Kawhi Leonard. He is with Anthony Davis. He is in that mold. He is with Giannis, who Giannis kind of fell off. He is with James Harden. James Harden should be in that conversation. Say what you want to about his playoff exits. But he is being beat by amazing Hall of Famers every single year when he does get beat. It is hard to get to this level of the playoffs this far. There's a reason there's only four teams. There's a reason there's only two teams in the finals. Not every team is the best. There's only one. James Harden is a really amazing player and is an MVP candidate, but his team cannot handle the likes of the Lakers or Nuggets, probably not even the Clippers. Clippers are disappointing, though. After they lost, I was checking it out on Twitter, and since they were compared to the 96 Bulls or somebody had said it at the beginning of the season, Twitter was fired up about that. Like, ha, nice 96 Bulls invitation. But I will definitely be checking that out tomorrow on Friday, watching the Nuggets and the Lakers. I want the Lakers to go on. I think they're going to win it all. I mean, it, it's just all lined for them to do that. LeBron is a stud still. Best player in the league at 35 years old. I do not like to say that. I'm not a crazy LeBron hater. I respect his game. He is amazing. He is a good person. He stands up for rights, equality. There's nothing bad I can legitimately say about LeBron James, just legitimately. If I wanted to be a hater, I could. And I think the people that do talk about him are being haters. Like he's an amazing basketball player. One of the top three in the league ever. Probably two. I'm not going to put him above Jordan. I never will. But he is in that conversation. Being in that conversation with Michael Jordan says something. Kobe Bryant in that conversation. There's Michael Jordan 
at number one, and then there's LeBron and Kobe kind of tied for second. At the end of his career, it probably will be LeBron. He's got a few years left. But just to be in that conversation, to be considered one of the three best players to ever play the game, or the second best player, whether it's Kobe or LeBron, that is an amazing feat. You can't talk smack about that. You really can't because he's got all the proof of what he's been doing. He was just named to the All-NBA team for the 16th time, breaking the record that was shared with Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 16 times out of his 17 seasons on the All-NBA team. 13 times a first-team All-American nomination. Just saying, you cannot talk bad about that if you are being legit. You want to be a hater? Go ahead, crush him. He gives money back to the community. He set up colleges. He has spoken up for people, whether it was because of his race or because of society classes. He has stuck up for people and have been their voice. That is amazing. That is what you want your athletes to do. You want them to be role models. We talk smack about these players and athletes that are not role models, that are cussing or not looking the part or, you know, driving around with guns in their cars. But then we got a role model who is doing positive things and we're still talking bad about them. That makes no sense to me. So if you want to hate, then hate. I can't stop anybody and I hate on things too on this podcast. But legitimately, as a human being, I don't feel anybody can say anything about LeBron and truly mean it. I really don't. Not anything bad. I, I really don't. Well, I went on about a lot of things and we have a lot to talk about with Jim Foley. So thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Come back on Saturday. We will have special guest Kerry Damerell, who was the athletic director and volleyball coach for St. Bede. She has moved on to Metamora, where she is teaching junior high. She explains why she made the move and what she is doing. So, until next time, peace. Today is a special day. Mendota, beautiful outside. Yesterday was crazy amazing for Chicago sports fans. Alec Mills, no-hitter. Chicago Bears get a W after coming from behind against the Detroit Lions. And now today, Edge of Your Seat Podcast is a very special guest and former Houston Rockets announcer, Jim Foley. How's it going, Jim? Just fine, Brandon. You know, speaking of uh, your town of Mendota, I've been to the Sweet Corn Festival many, many times back when I lived in central Illinois. It was probably a good time, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And the weather was always nice, too. It wasn't as hot as it gets in Houston from May till October. It was really weird this summer we did not have a sweet corn festival. Oh, I'll bet. First time ever, I think. Well, at least from my recollections and what everybody else says here, that that was the first time there's never been a sweet corn festival. And unfortunately, there's been not a lot of things. I know that uh, one of the biggest things in the Houston area is the livestock show and rodeo, which was in its first couple of days. It runs almost the entire month of March, and it was canceled during its first week. And they get, they get about 100,000 people a day out for that one. So we knew that something was very big in early March when that was canceled. Yeah, since we're talking about it right now, before we get into all things awesome sports, how has COVID-19 kind of affected your life and things going on in the Houston area in Texas? 
Well, not much is going on. My wife and I, it's us and the four walls. Uh, I've told people that the last time we were out for dinner was March 7th. So that's over six months ago. We've had uh, takeouts several times from restaurants or called out for a pizza. But other than that, we've we go, I go grocery shopping about every 10 days, and we've been really hunkered down at home. I am sure that has saved you a ton of money. <laughs> Probably, although when I get my credit card bills, there's a lot of expenses at the grocery stores. <laughs> uh, you can't win, can you? You've got to spend you money know, on food. No, that's for sure. You know, I think uh, our restaurants are open to 50% of capacity now, but uh, my wife and I are reluctant at our ages and our health conditions to go transit by going out for dinner. We'll wait a while longer. Yeah, no doubt about that. Health first. So you had mentioned, you know, you'd been to the Sweet Corn Festival a lot since you were, when you were in the area. Graduated from, did you graduate St. Bede? No, I didn't. I only went to St. Bede my freshman year. And then I went off to a Catholic seminary in Missouri, and uh, I left there after four more years. So I graduated from high school in Missouri, but uh, at class of 56 at St. Bede, where I would have graduated, still have a lot of friends around the Illinois Valley from that class. That's why I asked, because as soon as I started to say graduated from St. Bede, I was like, no, I think you only went there a year or two. Great memories of LaSalle, Peru, and St. Bede, and... Uh, it's a terrific area to grow up in, as I'm sure you found out during your years working in the Illinois Valley. Oh, yeah. Lots of people, faces, personalities I'll never forget and that I'll cherish always. Same with you and one year at St. Bede. I mean, that says a lot for that school for you to the honor and respect that you give it for only going there for a short time. Well, it's a tremendous institution. And, you know, there's so many graduates of St. Bede around the Illinois Valley and, and all doing quite well. And I'm happy to call so many of them friends to this day. I'm happy to call friends uh, to this day from St. Patrick's grade school in Lasalle where I went. So I have friends from St. Pat's and St. Bede's. Awesome. And then after your high school, you went to Marquette University. And when I left the seminary, for some reason, I, I really was interested in journalism. And tell you a story about why I got my interest in journalism because of the sports editor of the Daily News Tribune, a fellow by the name of Frank Metzinger. And he, he was quite an institution in LaSalle because uh, Merck, as he was known, uh, didn't have a car. So he relied, uh, if he was covering a high school game, he relied on a parent to drive him to the game. Or if he was able to go up to Chicago for a White Sox game, he, he would uh, grab a friend to drive him up and of course, get the friend into the game and into the White Sox hospitality room. So I guess that's what kind of uh, triggered my interest in journalism was Merck Metzinger from the News Tribune. So when I decided to go to school, I, I wanted to go to a Catholic college and I wanted to go where they had a journalism program. So Marquette fit the bill. Nice. And you didn't get into print journalism, did you? Never. That probably changed somewhere when I was in college. During my four years at Marquette, I, I did a lot of different things, but and I did write for the school paper for the final two years. But I guess what kind of steered me toward the public relations end 
of the sports world was uh, as a student, I had a part-time position in the office of the sports information director at Marquette. At that time, Marquette still had football my final two years. So it was kind of a busy job, you know, helping out with football and basketball seasons. That kind of uh, steered me away from the print end. And I thought more about the public relations end of things. Well, as it turned out, it was lucky for me to have gotten that part-time job because after I graduated, I was in the Navy for three and a half years. And then I took a job in public relations with the New York Central Railroad, and I was headquartered in Chicago. And I hadn't been there a year when the sports information director at Marquette called me and told me he was going to leave to take a job with the St. Louis baseball team. And uh, he said I should apply for his job, and he'd put in a good word. Well, I did, and he did, and I got the Marquette sports information job where I was fortunate to work for four years with Coach Al McGuire, one of the 20 people that I've worked with over my years who's now in the Basketball Hall of Fame. You've worked with 20 people that are in the Basketball Hall of Fame? That's right. I tell people I don't have to visit the Hall of Fame. I lived it. Wow, that's awesome. I won't go down the entire list, but of course, starting with Coach McGuire at Marquette and then with the Milwaukee Bucks, people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Oscar Robertson, and Wayne Embry, and then with the Rockets, people like uh, Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler and Rick Barry, and all the way down the line. One of the people that's in the Hall of Fame, it's an interesting one, because I'm sure that had I not mentioned it when I went back to Marquette a couple of years ago, they were all thinking that their first player to go into the Basketball Hall of Fame would be Dwayne Wade. And I said, well, not so quick. Uh, a long time ago, back in the late 40s, Tex Winter, the well-known as a basketball coach, like he coached at Northwestern for a while, and then great fame as an assistant to Phil Jackson with the Chicago Bulls and the Los Angeles Lakers. Tex Winter actually played basketball at Marquette for one season as part of the Navy program toward the end of the Second World War. So Tex Winter's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, and he played at Marquette, so he's the first Marquette player to go into the Hall of Fame. And Dwayne Wade will be the second. Wow, that's dropping some knowledge right there. <laughs> yeah, well, it was funny. I, when I went back to Marquette uh, two years ago, and speaking with the athletic director, he was kind of really amazed to hear my story about Tex Winter. So they're well aware of it now. <laughs> you let them know. It was Tex, not Dwayne. Right. <laughs> Before we keep going on with sports, you had mentioned three and a half years in the Navy, and we've also talked about how you were in the Illinois Valley, you went to school in Missouri, obviously Marquette's in Wisconsin and Milwaukee. Did you deploy anywhere or visit any other countries when you were with the Navy? Oh, yeah. Uh, we had what they call a Westpac cruise. So in 1962, uh, our ship spent six months overseas, went to Japan and Korea, spent time in Okinawa, and of course went through Hawaii on the way over and on the way back. Oh, wow. So you were over in Japan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah visited uh, Yokosuka, and uh, we visited... Uh, our ship actually was in Yokohama, I think, at or Iwakuni at the time. Several of us visited Hiroshima to see the site of one of the A-bombs from World War II. 
wasn't a real happy experience to go there and see that. And because, you know, you're talking about something that we were there only 17 years after that happened. So my goodness, that was still fresh in everybody's mind. And uh, I'm, I'm not sorry we went there, but it was a very emotional visit. Yeah, I mean, I bet that would be like a 9-11 visit in the States. Yeah, even now, yeah, yeah. sure. Definitely, because we, you know, 9-11 just passed today, September 14th, three days yeah. ago. All over Facebook, there's posts. I talked about it with family members and loved ones, and yeah, I mean, we're that many years old, 19, 20 years later, we're still thinking about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that, we were talking about it the other day, that uh, weekend of the 9-11 we happened to be visiting in uh, Reno, Nevada with uh, a couple of other couples, and uh, we were scheduled to play golf on 9-11, and one of the guys awakened me about 7 o'clock in the morning and said, you better get up, I think we're at war. So there was no golf that day, and then, of course, our next problem was, what do we do now? How do we get back to Houston? Because not much was flying, and as it happened, uh, we spent a couple of days in Reno, and then we went to San Francisco and were able to catch a flight back to Houston. Yeah, everybody has a story. They remember what they were doing on 9-11. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we were talking about my Navy career and being overseas. Actually, after my two years, I then spent another year and a half at Great Lakes Navy Training Center. You know, when I signed up for the extra year and a half, they asked me my preferred duty spot and I thought, well, I'm from the Midwest, and I've been on the West Coast on the ship and seen a lot of the world. I said, I'd like East Coast shore duty. So they shipped me to the Great Lakes Table Trading Center, which is about 127 miles from LaSalle, Peru. <laughs> and I spent a year and a half there. But uh, I, I guess they took a pretty good look at some of my background, and they saw the work in the sports information director's office so after a few months at uh, Great Lakes, I was made the recruit information officer. So that was like my first job and my or second job in public relations. That as a result of that, you know, doing a lot of different things, working with the area newspapers and supervising, sending out all the hometown stories on all the sailors who were going through Great Lakes. That, that helped me get the first job, the one with the New York Central. So. I was PR from the start. Definitely. So you graduated Marquette in 1961. When did you start your first PR job? Well, that would have been, you know, after the Navy, uh, which would have been 1965. I started working for the New York Central on January 2nd, I think, 1965. And uh, then had the opportunity to return to Marquette in October that year. And then you came back to Marquette as the sports information director. Perfect. Yeah. Interesting story about a fellow I succeeded. His name is Bob Harlan. And as I said earlier, he was taking a job with the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team. And Bob Harlan eventually ended up as the president of the Green Bay Packers football team. And he was their president during their very successful years. Uh, with Brett Favre and did very well too and he always whenever I speak with Bob who retired in the, in Door County, Wisconsin he says 
Well, I'm sorry I got you involved in that sports business, but it looks like you did all right. <laughs> Surprised you didn't follow him to the Packers. <laughs> it was tempting, but I thought about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Houston fared really well for you compared to Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah, after Marquette, as I said, Milwaukee got its pro basketball team. They hired me away from Marquette. They, they couldn't get Al McGuire. They originally wanted Al McGuire to coach the Bucks, but Marquette wouldn't let him out of his contract. I tell people that the Bucks got me instead of Al McGuire, but the Bucks also got lucky in the coin flip, and they not only got me, they got a guy named Lou Alcindor, later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and two years later, Milwaukee had a championship. That had to have been a super crazy experience for you. You know, this is your first real job doing your second after Marquette, but you have one of the most legendary names, still the all-time scoring leader for NBA, legend, Hall of Famer, and yeah, that's he, one of the first know, people you know. Yeah, and he was probably one of the most famous people in basketball at that time when he became a pro after three championships at UCLA. He was so well-known, and it wasn't like introducing him, but I did go on the road, try to help smooth the way with the media that first year that uh, Kareem was in the NBA. And uh, I, I only wish now, in retrospect, when I hear Kareem speak or write, he does a lot of writing, and you often see his articles in magazines, and he is such an accomplished speaker. He's always been a smart guy, but he, he shied away from the media back in those days, and uh, it's too bad that he wasn't as outspoken then as he is now. So how long were you around Kareem? Three years with the books. Second year, we had the championship. Third year, we got, we got knocked out in the second round. One of my more humorous stories, it probably wasn't humorous for him, is uh, Pete Axtelm was a good friend of mine, and he was the sports editor for Newsweek magazine. And I set up a luncheon with Kareem and Pete, and, of course, I was there, and we scheduled the luncheon for a little later in the afternoon because it was during the holiday season and a lot of places were having Christmas parties. So uh, we went about 2.30 or so and got our table and there was still one Christmas party going on in a far corner of the room, maybe with about 12 people. And so sure enough, right after we had ordered something to drink, and Kareem back in those days always ordered these small like eight ounce bottles of ginger ale. So the waitress had just brought our drinks and put about four bottles of the ginger ale in front of Kareem. And one of the fellows from the Christmas party came racing over to get an autograph and knocked four bottles of ginger ale right in Kareem's lap. He took it very well. The guy offered to clean his clothes and and he said, no, that's all right, accidents happen. So that, that was one memory of Kareem that I have. Oh, that's awesome. From what I have read, sounds like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the nicest people that were on this planet, too, not just a gifted basketball player. Yeah, as I said, he, he, was, he was a very smart uh, young man in the days that I knew him. And, uh, you know, obviously it's coming through now. He, he's a gem of a person. I'm happy to call him a friend. When he was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago, I had just gone through the treatments and for my own cancer, and I was deemed cancer-free, and 
I had sent him an encouraging note. He sent back a nice note, and he said, you know, you're my model for this. So he's doing very well. So I, I don't know if he's completely cancer-free, but he has done quite well since first diagnosed. Definitely. And you are completely cancer-free? Yes. Since 2008, I had bladder cancer, and they had to remove my bladder at that time. So I'm very happy to have been around these last 12 years. That's awesome. I'm happy you're here, too. Oh, yeah, good, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, to continue with the story of Jim Foley, um, after three years in Milwaukee, the president of the Milwaukee Bucks was offered an opportunity to take over the Houston Rockets, who had only been in Houston one year at that time. So he asked me to go down there with him after a lot of thought. My wife and I had just moved into a new apartment in April of uh, 1972, and we moved out of the apartment two months later and came to Houston. What is your wife's name? Uh, my wife is Carolyn Dahl, D-A-H-L. She's a native Milwaukeean, uh, went to Pius High School in Milwaukee and Mount Mary University there. And I met her while I was uh, working for Marquette, and we got married in 1968. And still happily together. And still happily together at a nice 50th anniversary dinner here uh, two years ago, and so just celebrated our 52nd anniversary. That's amazing. So not only did you get roped into the sports world, so did she. So did she. she she's seen a lot of basketball in our lifetime, and she considers herself better official than anybody she's ever seen officiate a, a college game or an NBA game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Before we keep talking about the Houston Rockets, one more thing about Milwaukee. There was another NBA legend there, Oscar Robertson. It had to have been amazing watching him. I tell people, you know, the Bucks got Oscar Robertson to team with Kareem. I never went to a game thinking that the Bucks were going to lose, and they didn't lose very much, and I think that's what Oscar's thinking brought for the team. You know, he, of course, was, he was not the talent of Oscar Robertson that he had been about, you know, six or seven years before, but he knew how to control the game, and with that big butt of his, he was always able to move a guy aside to get in for a layup or hit the open man. He, he, was, he was one of the best, you know, there have been so many great players, it's so hard to rank them, Brandon. You know, but any ranking that you ask me for, I'm certainly going to have the big O in it. Did you ever tell him that he had a big butt? No. <laughs> I think his wife probably told him a few times. She was a grand gal, too. Uh, Yvonne, a wonderful person. Yeah. We got to visit with them a few years after that. I think back in 19, after the Rockets won the championship in 94, they were invited to play in the McDonald's Classic in London, England. And the NBA brought some of their Hall of Famers over, and Oscar and his wife were in attendance. So we were able to spend quite a bit of time in England with Oscar and Yvonne. So then from Milwaukee to Houston, yeah, I, I leave Kareem and Oscar to come to Houston and... Uh, it was a little bit different situation. It was a building time for the Houston Rockets, but we did we did have some pretty good guys to build around. That introduced me to Rudy Tomjanovich, Calvin Murphy, 
Mike Newland were all either in their first or second year with Houston. So it was building a franchise time. And uh, at that time, we probably gave away more Rockets tickets than we ever sold those first few years in Houston. A lot different situation than in Milwaukee, where they were breaking down the doors to try to get in to a Bucks game at the time. Took a while, but finally, you know, the Rockets became a household name in Houston. That sounds crazy for you to say people were breaking down the door to get into a Milwaukee Bucks game because until recently they weren't very good since then. Yeah, you know, it, it's tough to win a championship, and when you win one, everybody expects it to happen again and soon. In Milwaukee, well, Milwaukee's been waiting since 1971. Still being a Cubs fan, I know what a long wait is until a couple of years ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for, I was fortunate to, you know, help build the Rockets here and, and through the days of Moses Malone and then uh, the days of Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon. And so the Rockets win a championship, uh, well, in 1994. We drafted Akeem Olajuwon in 1984. It, it took a while. And then they, they expect you to win, and the Rockets won the following year. But now the Rockets haven't won since 1995. I was just going to ask you, who was the player that you thought helped turn the franchise around for Houston? Was it Moses Malone? Yeah, for sure it was Moses Malone. And a player named John Lucas. When They came, they both came in the same year, 1976, and we were on the road for a playoff game. And when we came back uh, to the, it was called the Summit at that time, all the players and the traveling party left their automobiles there. When we came back, we were just all stunned to see a line completely around the building to get tickets to the next playoff game. And so that's that's when I think it really turned. That would have been the spring of 77. But that was, you know, five years after we had gotten there. And then Ralph Sampson would have been 82 or 83? It was the 83 draft. And uh, Hakeem... Olajuwon in 84, and then we had the Twin Towers going for us for a few years, and we made it to the NBA Finals in 86, but got beat by Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics. We always felt that that was a team that was destined to bring a ring to Houston for the first time, but that unfortunately some of the guys got involved with drugs and got suspended by the NBA, and so it just never came about. So your job with Houston Rockets was broadcasting, correct? When I first got there, as with Milwaukee, I was just uh, the director of public relations. When I came to Houston as director of public relations, it, well, I was in that position for 15 years. And uh, occasionally I would sit in on our broadcast. And finally one day the, the boss said, uh, you know, I, I think instead of having you pass out the information to the media. I think we'd enjoy having you just deliver it in person. So how about considering taking over as the radio color man and giving up the PR end of it? And he said, you know, your hours would be shorter and the pay a little more. And I said, well, I guess that sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like those options? Yeah. yeah. So... So for the final 21 years I was with Houston, I was strictly the radio color guy. Awesome. So you would have retired in, was that 2008? 
2008 was my last season. Yep. So you had a lot of awesome years in basketball. And, you know, we mentioned a lot of those names, the Hall of Fame names, and uh, every everyone was uh, a little bit of a different personality. Uh, Bill Fitch, uh, the Rockets coach back uh, in the mid-'80s with uh, a team and Ralph Sampson, wonderful guy. I'm still in touch with Bill. He lives about an hour north of Houston. He's, of course, in the Hall of Fame. Rudy Tomjanovich in the Hall of Fame now. I talk to him about once a month. He lives in Austin, Texas now. I mentioned him with Calvin Murphy earlier about being in on the foundation of the Rockets. And Calvin Murphy still does uh, TV work for the team. He does the pregame, halftime, and postgame. So it's always nice to see him around. And he's, he's the pocket rocket and a real rocket legend. But uh, so, so many have passed uh, through here. Then, of course, Moses Malone, speaking of passing, unfortunately died a couple years ago, which uh, shocked everyone. And he, they had a magnificent funeral uh, service for him in uh, what is now a church building. But at the time he played was called the Summit, which was the arena where the Rockets played. And the Lakewood Church uh, allowed uh, them to have Moses' service in the Lakewood Church. And it was magnificent. And a lot of Moses' teammates from not only the Rockets, but from the 76ers, and like people like Dr. J and Maurice Cheeks and Charles Barkley were all in attendance. And it was just a wonderful service. And fortunately, I haven't had to go to too many services for former players. Yeah, that is a very fortunate circumstance. Through your career as, you know, the radio color man, broadcasting, you know, that's a job that most sports fans want to be part of and the people that do have it appreciate it and respect whether they call luck or you know they worked hard to get it what were some moments or some things for you that just kind of clicked and you were just like hey i want to keep doing this i love this environment i love basketball what were some things that kept you doing it and coming back to work every day well i just thought i never thought of doing anything else in either job when i took the job as uh the sports information director at Marquette, I thought I might be there forever. And the same thing happened when I took the job with the Milwaukee Bucks and with the uh, Rockets basketball team. In any of those positions, I, I never thought about anything else. You know, what am I going to do or what could I do? And, you know, now I guess I'd be hampered trying to find a job because I'm a computer illiterate. I have a little calling card that I carry with me when someone wants my phone number, and it has my cell phone number on it, and a line at the bottom that says, no laptop, no lawnmower. <laughs> I guess I'm going to go to my eternal rest without ever having had a computer. You have never owned a computer? Never owned a computer. I get a kick out of it when I visit somebody that has one, and or like people in the Rockets office, and they, oh, Mr. Foley, come here, I want to show you something. And then it'd take them 10 minutes to bring something up. And I'm sure you know that, what, that, that happens quite often in the, in the computer world. So I, I, I finally say, well, I don't have time to wait. Next time, maybe we'll try. <laughs> yeah, that does happen often. When I was at the News Tribune and even in the bank world, sometimes computers can be uh, not as friendly as we'd like them to. Yeah, so at my age, I don't particularly care if I ever have one. 
I think at this point you should never have one because you may be one of the only Americans living in 2020 that can say they've never used a computer. Funny story, Matt Bullard, who played for the Rockets for almost 10 years, he's a product of the University of Iowa. His father at one time worked for the Des Moines Register. And uh, Matt ended up doing the color on the Rockets television. So naturally he was part of the traveling party. And, you know, I I spent a lot of time looking through media guides and, and keeping clips on people and so forth. So I'd come up with a lot of little interesting facts uh, and pass them along to the, to Matt and Bill Worrell, his TV broadcast partner, to the point where Matt started calling calling me Foley.com. <laughs> that was your nickname, Foley.com? <laughs> With those guys, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It didn't even need a computer, just had some media guides and you became Foley.com. That's right. Just, you know, just from reading, prolific reader, I read, you know, books, magazines, media guides, whatever, and I try to find unique little things about an athlete or a coach, you know, which uh, people are interested in. I sometimes find it odd, uh, I watch the March Madness, of course, with a lot of interest, but I'm always interested in where a guy is from, and it's rare in the March Madness games you know, they'll introduce the starting lineup, but it'll be Joe Schmo, a sophomore, six seven, and that's it. But I'd like to know if Joe Schmo was from Mendota or LaSalle or Oswego or whatever, where he went to high school. Yeah, that extra information. Yeah. When you were with Houston, when they won those two championships in 94-95, did you by chance get a ring or anything with that team? Yes, I'm, very, I'm fortunate. I have three championship rings now. The one from the Milwaukee Bucks in 1971 and the rings from the Rockets in 94 and 95. In 71, of course, I think people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Oscar Robertson, Coach Larry Costello. And in 95 and 96, I think people like Hakeem Olajuwon, Otis Thorpe, Coach Rudy Tomjanovich. And for the second ring, Clyde Drexler. That is quite the list of names that you know. Like, you know them personally. That's quite the list of names. Yeah, that's for sure. It's been a nice life. I'm very happy to have uh, found my calling early. So besides the rings, when we were talking before we hit the record button, you let me know something pretty awesome about the Houston media area. Did they name it after you? Well, when my broadcast partner, Gene Peterson, and I, Gene, by the way, is from Albert Lee, Minnesota, and of course, I'm from LaSalle, Illinois, so we're both relatively small-town guys, and I was with the Rockets 36 years, and Gene, 34 years, and we both determined to retire in two th- following the 07-08 season. After we retired, the Rockets uh, decided to named the media room after us. So now if you go in the Toyota Center here in Houston and you're invited to go to the media room, you'll see the sign that says Foley Peterson Media Room. So that was quite a nice evening. The the Rockets had Gene and I to a a game the following year to make that announcement. And I think it was a Denver Nuggets game. And fortunately the Rockets won that night. So everybody was happy. And the Rockets threw a nice gathering before the game and following the game for the two of us. And 
we're grateful for that. So that's a, quite a nice honor for us. And then just a couple of years ago, Brandon, as you're well aware, Marquette University, I guess I lived long enough, they gave me a Lifetime Achievement Award and a plaque and some gifts at Marquette. And that was quite a, a unique gathering also. A couple of the players back from the Marquette teams of the late 60s were there, uh, along with uh, Bo Ellis, whom you might, might remember as part of Marquette's championship NCAA team in 1977. When you stepped away in 2008, was it tough, hard, or was it kind of, you know what, it's my time to step away? You know, you can stay in something for a long time. And uh, as I look back on it now, I've been retired 12 years. I don't know how much, if I had decided back then that I wanted to stay longer. I really don't know how much longer I w would have been able to. You know, the travel really gets to you. You know, where you're getting into a town at 2 o'clock in the morning and then getting up to go to a game at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So... You know, I have no regrets about stepping back when I did. Well, we I think we pretty well reviewed it. I, yeah, we did. I enjoyed growing up in LaSalle, Illinois. I enjoyed St. Bede Academy. I enjoyed the Illinois Valley. And uh, I enjoyed my time at Marquette, both as a student and as an employee. And I enjoyed getting started in the NBA. And the NBA was put together in 1946, so this is 74 years of the NBA, and I worked in the NBA for 39 years, so more than half of its existence. It's been a great life. Yeah, nothing you could really <laughs> complain about that. Wow. Um, like I said, I'm happy that you got on Edge of Your Seat Podcast and definitely honored to be able to speak with you. Uh, before I let you go, a couple more things I want to talk about. First of all, this year's Houston Rockets eliminated by the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, do you still watch now? Do you still pay attention to the team? Oh, yeah. Still, still watch. Of course, everybody's watching games this year. But the last time, I guess, we went to... A game in person was maybe the first week in March, and we we could probably go to about a third of the games. I I could uh, go to every game if I wanted to with a press pass that they give me every year. But my wife is the one that really enjoys going to the games. So fortunately, between the Rockets and friends, we're able to get tickets, and we probably go to well out of eighty or forty-one home games, we probably go to fifteen, sixteen a year and enjoy them. And we never miss one on TV. They've been a fun team to watch. Uh, James Harden is very unique in his game. You know, you, you don't know whether he's going to score 30 or 60. And unfortunately for me, I, I was not at the game where he did score 60. So all the years I walked in the or worked in the NBA, I never saw anybody score 60 points in person. So I regretted being there that night. But Harden is a wonderful player to watch. Uh, unfortunately, his playoff experience hasn't been all that good. And, of course, this, if it's not, then, you know, the bulk of the criticism goes on his shoulders. But, you know, when I look back and see who he was eliminated by, uh, he was eliminated once by Kevin Durant with uh, Oklahoma City. He was eliminated three times as a rocket by the great Golden State Warriors teams, and now he's eliminated by LeBron James. So there's no disgrace in his playoff eliminations. No, those are all going to be Hall of Famers, NBA legends as well. So, yeah, yeah you can't be mad about that. 
And I think another time he got eliminated, not out of the playoffs, it was Kobe Bryant. So he, he's met the best. <laughs> I know the death of Kobe Bryant rocked the NBA and pretty much the whole sport, sports oh, world. Sure. Oh, tragic, tragic. Tragedy. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I, you know, I had to wait for the news people to re- repeat it about two or three times. I just couldn't believe it was, you know, Kobe Bryant, and it's just a terrible accident. Had you met him and had conversations with Kobe before? No, not no. no uh, but uh, his father Joe played with the Rockets back in the early seventies. So I, th- I think at that time Kobe was, you know, maybe a year old or so. So I really never had a conversation with him. Do you hear the train in the background? No, I didn't. <laughs> I just wondered if you uh, missed the trains that run through Illinois Valley everywhere. Funny, you mentioned that when I was still living in LaSalle and uh, on summer break from Marquette, I worked for the Illinois Central, excuse me, the Rock Island and the Burlington Railroads as a summer helper in their offices. Uh, one week, uh, I was a vacation replacement. I'd be a freight house foreman or a secretary or some other job in the front office of uh, those railroads uh, at, at the bottom of First Street in LaSalle. The Rock was the Rock Island station. I think it might be a hardware store now. And a little further down the road was the Burlington station. So I'm an old railroader too. So you know all about the railroads. <laughs> yeah, and then worked for 10 months for the New York Central. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, going back to the Houston Rockets one more time, what do you think they need to get over that hump? I mean, you have said some of the teams that they're losing to in the playoffs this year, Los Angeles Lakers, who a lot of people have pinpointed as the next NBA champions with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the squad that they got. But what do you think the Rockets need to go to the next level? Well, I don't know. They have a big decision to make now. You may have heard that their coach, Mike D'Antoni, decided to leave the team yesterday after four years here, and he did a terrific job. You know, and it's uh, like I was saying, it's it's not easy to win a championship as Milwaukee is, has been waiting since 1971 and the Rockets since 95, and as the Cubs had to wait a century until a couple of years ago. So... What James Harden needs to win a championship is a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant or someone of that ill, some you know, someone of that ill to to get the Rockets to a championship again. But we shall see. Right now, they they have to solve the head coaching problem. And there was an article in the Houston Chronicle today. I guess the Chronicle Rockets beat writer was co- was covering all areas. He he proposed about. Chicago Bulls looking for a coach, too. I've heard uh, Billy Donovan is a top prospect for them. Yeah, I would imagine. That, that came as co- quite a surprise to anybody following the NBA. <laughs> Donovan did a great job at uh, Oklahoma City. I suppose he'd, he'd be highly considered for Houston, too. Yeah, he's a great basketball mind. You could probably get a job anywhere he wants, actually. Yeah, for sure. Well, before we let you go wants to do a top five with you so we have mentioned so many legendary basketball players and guys that every basketball fan around the world knows 
I want to ask you a top five of your five top players, just as people, not as basketball players, but five guys that if you had to invite over for dinner or for lunch or meet at a bar for a beer, who would be the first five guys that you would want to speak with? One of my favorite players in all the years that I worked in the NBA is a fellow that a lot of people wouldn't have heard of, but he was a starter for the Rockets for many years and was part of the championship team. And that's a guy named Otis Thorpe. He was a big forward, 6'10", from Providence. And uh, we had a lot of great conversations over the years. He was with us for six or seven years, including the championship, the first championship. And Hakeem Olajuwon is a favorite of mine. I could never get him to call me Jim. It was always Mr. Foley in any conversation whenever he had to mention my name. And again, Kareem, because he's so bright and intelligent and can talk about any subject. So that's three. And then to add a little levity to the table, I'd bring in Calvin Murphy, who was just a joy and always smiling and one of those guys you'll never forget once you meet him. So if you need one more, let me think off of the top of my head. I suppose it might be Mike Newell, or excuse me, it has to be Rudy Tomjanovich. He, in, any converse, in any conversation, uh, I'm inviting to my table for dinner after working with Rudy for you know all of the 36 years that I was with the Rockets. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I kind of lied. I got one more question for you because we have this conversation on Edge of Your Seat podcast a lot, and it's all over sports world. Everybody always talks about it, but you've seen both of these players in their prime playing basketball. Who do you think is a better player, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? <laughs> I, I would take Jordan. I would take Jordan. You, you can't argue with those six rings. LeBron's going to have to get seven for me to take him over Michael. Since he's lost a few finals, I might have to say either eight or nine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Okay, Brandon, always nice talking to you. Take care of things in LaSalle County. Uh, will do. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Okay.